literally for decades, the city of Springfield has been trying to figure out a comprehensive solution to the issue of chronic homelessness in our community. The problem seems to have gotten worse or at least more visible in recent weeks as we've seen a tent city pop up in the downtown area just outside uh, what was serving as the summer cooling center. We don't need a cooling center anymore. Winter is upon us and the clock is running to figure out what to do about the tent city and what to do about the broader issue of homelessness. There's been some developments today at Tent City and joining us now to talk more about it and what needs to happen short term and long term is Julie Bartlett Benson, longtime friend of the radio station and in recent years she has uh, founded the group Helping the Homeless, doing a lot of important work in our community. Julie, welcome to the program. Great to have you here. Thank you, Jim. It's good to talk to you again. Well, you've been out at Tent City today, and we uh, heard at the city council meeting a couple of nights ago that uh, the mayor's hired uh, expert on homelessness and city cops were going to go in to try to do uh, something of an assessment there today. So what's it been like on the ground there? What's been happening today at Tent City? Well, that is exactly what was going on. Uh, The police Uh, had several people out there. Um, There were a couple of other people who are trained on the coordinated entry system, and they sat down with people, asked them questions, um, and they're trying to assess uh, where people fall in. Um, Of course, people that have um, more serious health and mental health issues um, go to the top of the list uh, because they're... um, you know, more at risk um, out on the streets. Uh, They've been cooperating. They've been asking for this. Um, They are thrilled that uh, some progress is being made, and uh, they're all hopeful. You you mentioned the coordinated entry system. I want you to explain that because, and I was a little surprised to hear this the other night from the the mayor's uh, hired contractual person on this, John Fallon, who said that essentially some of the most um, problem cases, the people with those kinds of of issues you were talking about, often don't actually get into this coordinated entry system because it seems to be people who are actually in shelters get in there, but if you have such severe problems that you're not making it into a shelter, you may not be in the system. What what exactly is that coordinated entry system? Well, um, it is um, a system whereby you put um, everyone's information in, and they are asked specific questions about their mental health, about their medical help, about their physical help, about background um, of whether or not they have ever been in housing whether or not they can get into housing, um, questions like that. And then as they answer those questions, um, it's done by a number system. Uh, They fall into categories of whether or not um, they qualify for rapid housing, which is to quickly get them off of the street into some kind of housing, and then long-term housing, uh, which is, You know, you uh, attach them to a social worker, you attach them to a caseworker, you attach them to mental health um, professionals who can track them throughout. And uh, some of them also get um, many of the people that are on the street receive uh, disability checks or Social Security checks. And um, those people can, uh, you know, 
uh, give towards uh, their housing every month. And so it's a, a series of questions that qualify people um, for either quick housing or long-term housing. So now that they've gone in and done this assessment and kind of figured out where people sort of need to be in the system, will we see people being moved out of the tent city in a matter of hours, days? What happens now? Well, um, I'm I'm not sure about that because I've only heard about the system um, and I'm learning more about it every day. Um, some people could qualify quickly. Um, there are um, a lot of people at Tent City who are suffering from mental illness. And, um, you know, ever since the tents went up a couple of months ago or a few months ago, um, there's been a shift in the people that have been over there. So some of them that were over there and started that are not there any longer. Um, people are getting dropped off from other cities. Uh, to Springfield, it, they've been doing. Other places have been doing there for years, um, and and a, a lot of them are are mentally ill. Um, people don't know what to do with them. Relatives don't want anything to do with them anymore. Um, and someone brings them here and drops them off. They've heard about Tent City. It apparently has made the news a lot. Um, and you know there's so many people over there that need help. Uh, I, I don't know that all of them are on medicine. It's, you know, left to their own devices. Some of them will not take their medicine uh, because they don't know any better. Um, so the shift, uh, it, it's, it's more serious now with some of the people over there because of mental illness. Julie Bartlett Benson is here helping the homeless. We're talking about what's happening at the tent city. Give us the the lay of the land there on the ground. Do you know roughly how many people are there and and what are the conditions? I mean, fortunately, this week it's been fairly mild and we haven't had you know terribly cold nights the last couple of nights. But how are people faring there with sanitation, with safety and, and just how many people are, are congregated there? I would say that there's probably 35 to 40 people there. Um, safety is always an issue when you've got a group of people who are living outside under difficult conditions, um, mental, mentally and physically. Um, not so much lately, but um, the police have been called there a lot over the last three months to handle situations. Uh, there have been some people that have been banned um, they've, some of them have gotten comfortable within the confines of, of what they're able to, to be comfortable in the tent. Some of them have air mattresses in the tent. They've got, uh, bedding. Um, some of them have cots to sleep on. Um, I know at the very beginning, a few people got some real mattresses out there. Um, the tent, you know, of course, when you go camping, People think, okay, well, it's going to rain this weekend. I'm not going to go camping. Maybe I'll go next weekend. It's been difficult out there whenever there's been a storm. You know, it's raining out. The tents will leak. Um, they'll fall apart because they're not very sturdy. Um, so we've gone through some of that over the last few months of replacing blankets and tents and uh, mattresses and air mattresses don't last very long. Um but they've also got access to showers over there. Um, we do that three half days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in the afternoon. 
They've got access to porta potties. Those were never over there before. Um, the cooling center is open seven days a week from 1.30 in the afternoon until 7.30. And so when it is hot out, they do go in there. Um, the dumpster comes over three days a week, or they, they dump the dumpster three days a week. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday it gets dumped. Um, and they're not lacking for food over there. Yeah, you've been uh, arranging, uh, uh, and and the city put out information on a food train. So are, right. are people providing food in ample amounts? Uh, yes. Um, when the bread line uh, scaled back to one meal a day, um, back on April 5th, I started my own uh, calendar with um, the people off of my Facebook page donating meals. And so from April 5th until fairly recently, um, I was going out seven nights a week from donations and taking them out to the people at Tent City, the library, South Grand, all around town, wherever they are. And then people started finding out about Tent City and dropping off meals or going over there and serving meals. They have not been left without food, I can tell you that. You know, I know um, this has been going on for a while now, but this really, you know, it, it's not a, a tenable situation long term. You know, should the city just go in and and clear this out and just say this is this is not the appropriate way to handle this? We've got to get you into shelter or housing or mental health care or whatever it might be. How, how long can this go on like this? Well, everyone over there knows that the deadline is November first, so they are looking into another warming shelter. We are all hoping and praying that this is the last year for that. Uh, there will be uh, ample room uh, for the people that want to go in there uh, to social distance. Um, I, I, there hasn't been an announcement about the place yet, so I think they're still working on that. But um, some of these people will be able to go to friends' homes. They'll be able to go back to family for a little while. Um, some of them couch hop anyway. Um, and so in and out, in and out um, of places, um, there's never enough room for everybody, but someone, some of these people will not go into a place. Um, they have PTSD, they have social anxiety, uh, they fight with someone, uh, some of the women, women are in fear of some of the men. Uh, there's not a perfect situation except to get people into long-term housing. And what's that going to take? I mean, you know, obviously, yeah, a winter warming center is better than tents outside on a cold night, but it's still not really an answer here. And we've we've heard a lot of discussion about the need to have uh, more long-range housing and, and uh, adaptive housing to help people, you know, get into this habit of being in, in a more permanent shelter. Uh, but that all takes money and it takes space and it takes a lot of things that don't seem to be in very abundant supply right now. Well, there aren't there. There's not a lot of affordable housing. That's the problem. Um, it, it's not impossible. There are a lot of people in the background working on it. Peoria is doing it very successfully. Uh, they're doing it successfully in some places in Chicago, and that's why the mayor hired John Fallon because he has years of expertise in this area. He knows how to find federal dollars to get this done, and uh, we are um, looking to him for some answers. 
some some of the shelters in town are already doing some of that. Helping Hands has been very successful in getting, I believe, 25 people placed this year. Um, but, you know, we've got uh, a lot more than just 25 people left on the street. So, you know, it, it, it all takes time. I mean, if you only had five people, it would be easy. But you've got probably... I would say there's probably another between 75 and 100 people that need to be replaced. And that cycles all the time. So some of the people that are on the street now will get off the street. Some of them manage to get off the street by themselves. Um, and, you know, I applaud those efforts. You know, we're, um, I, I try to interrupt. We're almost out of time here. And, and I've yeah. got one other, I think, kind of an important question here, because we, we're hearing a lot about John Fallon. We've tried to talk to him directly. The city has not made him available to us. Hope springs eternal. But we hear that there's there's been just a lot of friction, a lot of conflict between him and, and the multiple agencies in town that are trying to work on this problem. W- what's your assessment of him and the job that he's doing? And, and has he been a, a positive force or is he creating more problems than solutions? Well, I think he's been a positive force. I think some of what's going on is that um, he uh, was perceived at the very beginning as stepping on toes. Um, You know, people uh, were taking it as though he was saying, you're not doing a good job. And that's not that's not what he was saying. He was saying, you're doing a good job, but there's room for improvement. Here's how you can do that. And, um, you know, Springfield's a tough town. It's been a tough town where the homeless people have been concerned. Um, you know, we've, we've gone through this several times. There's been several uh, things put on the table, you know, that we thought were good ideas. This is another one, and we've just got to get through uh, to, the, to the right people, the ones that, that want to, um, you know, work with John. And he's finding that there are a lot of those people. But, you know, everything takes time, especially when the government's involved. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's not just private industry. Um, and, and we're talking about a, a group of people who have all kinds of problems. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it, it takes time. We're all hoping and praying that at this time next year that there isn't talk of a warming center that people are in places um, and that we've shifted what we're doing for them. So getting them furniture and household goods and, and, you know, and, and people still working with them long-term about their medical issues and issues and their mental uh, issues. Um, I'm on board with John. I haven't seen uh, anything where uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I I believe in him and uh, the mayor does too. And uh, so, you know, we're hopeful. Well, it won't be the last time we talk about this for sure. Julie, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Stay in touch and let us know how things are progressing. Absolutely. Thank you, Jim.